0: Welcome back, folks. It is time for another episode of the Out of the Box podcast. We've got a full, full, full episode. This was just supposed to be the Sweet 16 results show for the Bama U Bracket, and we've got those coming up later. But there was some news that finally dropped on time for the Out of the Box podcast. Yes, some coaching turnover happened and we can actually talk about it as it's unfolding. And when I say we, of course, I mean myself, Gray Robertson, and my partner, Tom Canterbury, who is still quarantining in Tuscaloosa. Tom, congratulations to us for finally being able to talk about some timely coaching news on this podcast.
1: We appreciate the uh, coaching news happening before we record the podcast and not as right after we recorded and we're driving home. Yes. Because that's, that's what's happened normally. So we get an opportunity to actually talk about it here. Today is we have some actual news uh, during global pandemic that is not allowing us to actually play.
0: Yes, crazy how that works. And we are going to get to that in just a second again. Later on, we're going to kind of split this episode up in two parts. The second part will be all about the Sweet 16 results. And there are some big ones to talk about. A lot of knockdown dragouts. Tom, I had a very tough time deciding, frankly, who I was going to vote for this week.
1: Yeah, as we're seeing as we move into the Sweet 16, uh, these decisions are going to become tougher and tougher. And there were some tough ones in the first round, too. So that's what happens when you have such a, a deep program and one with such history and talent as
0: Alabama's had. Yeah, so we will get to that later on. But first, Ole Miss has hired their new softball coach and it is a coach we're very familiar with because we've seen her a couple of times. Uh, last year she came to Tuscaloosa and there was the two victories for the Crimson Tide over Minnesota. One that was a little bit controversial, one that was a walk-off courtesy of Alyssa Brown. That woman going to Oxford is Jamie Traxel, taking over the job at Ole Miss and the woman who broke the story joins us now. She's been reporting for college softball for quite a long time, and now she's actually joining the podcast family with the Running Polls podcast that started earlier this week. It's Maren Angus joining us now. Maren, welcome to the podcast family. We're glad to have you.
2: Thanks. I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, so before we dive into the whole Jamie Traxful, Ole Miss of it all, what what is the Running Poles podcast all about?
2: So the Running Polls podcast is hosted uh, – with myself and T. Statman from Arizona. And we just thought it was time to have not just a softball podcast, but a sports podcast that is honest and real and us just being ourselves. So we cuss, we drink, all while <laughs> we record, and it's just so much fun. And it, our first episode dropped on Tuesday.
0: That's great. <laughs> that sounds a lot like what Tom and I do after the game some nights. <laughs>
1: I was to say that, that sounds like a a a good uh, outline for what to do.
2: Right. We also we put a little disclaimer in our logo where you know parental parental advice. You know, we just we don't want it to be aimed for the little kids. It's more of an adult program.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I Got listened it. to that, uh, that first episode, and y'all spent a lot of time talking about Ole Miss, and that all happened before this unfolded, and you were really out in front of pretty much all the details that were coming out about Jamie Traxel to Ole Miss. So how did this head coaching hire kind of come about for the Rebels?
2: Well, to be honest, since that's what I'm get at, I, Jamie Traxel was not their number one. The number one for Ole Miss was Jerry Glasgow. And from what I understand, they offered him the same salary that he's making at UL. So he went ahead and turned that down. But the next name after that was a little confusing. We heard it could have been Cindy Ball Malone at UCF. We heard maybe Howard Dobson at LSU. We heard maybe they, Stephanie Van Brakel. She was mentioned. I mean, there was just all these names swarming around, and then all of a sudden, someone said Janie Traxel, and it kind of just took off from there. All of a sudden, it's every day I'm getting phone calls and text messages about we're hearing Traxel, we're hearing Katie. What are you hearing? And pretty soon, it just became it became real in a hurry.
1: Were you a little surprised to hear that they were going after such kind of marquee names?
2: no i I don't think i was surprised i think i was surprised that who they narrowed it down to and who didn't get interviews from what i understand from my phone calls with people is that they did a series of meet and greets first and jimmy colitis was one of those meet and greet interviews and he actually was not granted an interview and that was the most surprising to me because I think if there is to be a coach in the region already that is ready for a high-profile job like that, it's Jimmy Colitis. Hmm.
0: Do you view this as a quote-unquote good hire? Is Jamie Traxel the kind of player that can come to Oxford and start winning immediately? No.
2: I think it's a bad hire for both sides, actually. I think it is a step in the wrong direction for Traxel as as high profile as the SEC is, the way that Old Miss has handled its softball program over the last few years while being successful does not say to me that this job is better than where I'm at right now, where I've got a roster and players coming back that could possibly get me back to the World Series. This no. Old Miss team is not going to the World Series no matter what happens in year one with Traxel. And for Ole Miss, yes, I see them hiring a woman for the job, especially after what went down and what Coach Smith was accused of. But I don't see Traxel being that coach that can get this team going. She inherited a team at Minnesota that was bound for the World Series regardless of who the coach was. She just happened to be in charge.
1: It sounded like money was the deciding factor with Glasgow. Do you think that – what are the numbers that you're hearing for Traskill? Was yeah. it that much of a, a raise?
2: A little bit. I, and that's what you have to think, that this, this move is purely out of money. I heard that she was making around 140 at Minnesota and just based on what Mike Smith made he his base salary at Ole Miss was 190 so if it's at least that it's it's a pretty solid raise
0: Marin Angus joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast, a show that we were not expecting to have to do, but Ole Miss hiring Jamie Traxel to take over their softball program. And now with all of the eligibility things that have been going on, Maren, we've seen the transfer portal get crazy, and we've seen when coaches have left programs to go elsewhere, players at their previous stops have followed them. Of course, the best example of that is all of Oregon going with Mike White to Texas. So is this a scenario where we see certain players, and when I say certain players, I am very much talking about Amber Pfizer. Do we see certain players follow Jamie Traxel and go to Ole Miss?
2: I don't think so. I, I really believe that Amber Pfizer's going to stay in Minnesota. She loves being a gopher, and she penned the letter to tell the fans that she was coming back for her senior year. I just I don't see her leaving. And I, and I want to say I see someone like Piper Ritter taking over the job if she wants it. So she's already there. She's someone that has been around this program for a long time, and I think the players would stay with her.
1: And something else that you talked about is a uh, possibility of what Traxel's uh, coaching staff will look like at Ole Miss. Do you have any more information about that?
2: We know that Katie Rykovic browder will join her. Addle miss. The second assistant is still up in the air, but I know I tweeted earlier and maybe you guys have thought, but Bryn Dordell, your volunteer assistant at Alabama, I think is the front runner to be the second assistant. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't, we were talking about it a bit last night. It wouldn't shock us if we saw uh, Bryn Dordell take that job just because we know that she and Coach Traxel have. A previous relationship, have known each other for a long time. This seems like the one I think she would definitely take if offered.
2: Yeah, I I see her fitting in perfectly. She's like you said, familiar with Traxel. I don't like I, I said, Piper probably stays in Minnesota. I really don't see her leaving if Traxel wanted to bring her whole staff. I just I really don't see that happening. So it's just hard. It's hard to think who as a pitching coach, would be in a position to, to take over at Ole Miss who desperately needs help. Uh,
1: just in general, because it's not something that I look at on, on a regular basis that so Gray, Gray and I have talked about a little bit, but how long does someone typically hold on to a volunteer assistant job, even if it's a big one in a Power Five? How Typically, how long do you see volunteer assistants stay in one place?
2: I think it's really dependent on the program. And even though it is volunteer assistant, they're given opportunities to make money. So most volunteer assistants make money by running camps. So I think normally if you have someone like at Alabama or a Texas or somewhere that has money, you'll see them stay longer because they're probably making their full-time salary off the camp money.
0: Maren Angus joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. Uh, okay, Maren, before we let you go, we've seen last year, we've seen the last couple seasons, some strange coaching things happen at odd times. Van Studeman getting let go in July, I believe is when it was. We saw the Mike Smith thing go down a couple weeks before the season. And so is there anything else potentially that could be on the horizon as programs try and steady themselves after an abrupt end to the 2020 year?
2: Yeah, Cal is in the middle of their coaching search right now, and from what I understand, there are three names that have been heavily involved with this, and it's Stacy Newman, wow. and Sam and Sam Martyr, and Chelsea Spencer.
0: And so, all right, that's interesting, Stacy Newman. Wow, because our other uh, podcast family, the Seven Innings podcast at ESPN, just named Stacy Newman the uh, best slugger of all time in college softball history. And that would be just a big name name um, to have, be a part of that program. That'd be huge. Wow.
2: Yeah. And this coaching search could get really fun because there are different scenarios that you can play with. You can play with a scenario that Chelsea Spencer gets the job. Okay. That takes her away from Texas. So now Mike White needs to find another assistant. Well, well, there's an opening for Reuben Felix or Jimmy Colitis. Mm-hmm. And if Colitis goes, then his assistants will take over at UAB. So you can play with – there are endless scenarios, and I go down the rabbit hole a lot with it. But that's, that's my gut on Cal.
1: One, and one thing that, that I talked about a lot in this season uh, before it got abruptly canceled – was that I thought there was going to be a lot of coaching changes, a lot of turnover, because I thought a lot of teams, especially in the SEC, some coaches were going to feel the feel the heat and then maybe get a little bit of a buy for what happened in 2020. Are there some coaches in the SEC you think might be on the hot seat going into 2021?
2: I love this question. Do you know how long I wanted to write this type of story and just put it out there? Uh <laughs> Um, I think Joe Evans is on the hot seat 100% I think they really need to get some pitching and I know they're figuring out their hitting but I think that puts her on the hot seat for sure and you know other than that I would be curious to see how long the leash is for Ricketts at Mississippi State and Traxel don't Miss.
0: Hmm.
2: There, the SEC is in the business of winning and winning right now. So, if they're not winning, how long do you give them?
1: What about uh, what about Jimmy Dean at, at Auburn?
2: Oh, Jimmy Dean. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, Mickey Dean. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Uh, that guy. Yeah. Um, I think. I think he's been on the hot seat for a while and I think it's hotter now that the news broke about Eugene Lenty. Yeah. So, you know, does he have one year left? Maybe. But then he just brought in Kaylee Horton and got her away from several SEC programs that were wanting to bring her in.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how all of it breaks down. Uh, Maren Angus joining us here on the Other Box podcast. Marin, now we're going to let you go, except I've got one more little side question off of something you brought up, and that's Joe Evans. If she is uh, maybe forced into retirement, I, I doubt that she would be wanting to coach elsewhere uh, if she was asked to leave the Texas Indian program. Are they in a scenario where they've already got their next head coach on staff and Craig Snyder?
2: I think Gary Glasgow will do everything in his power to get that job. Hmm. And I think that's the job he's waiting for. It's just a matter of time.
0: Ooh, okay. This could be fun. The, the 2021 20, offseason could uh, be a little wild down here we in the make, SEC. We could
2: just make a big board of all of this.
0: We'll look like uh, Charlie Day on the uh, the GIF. <laughs> All right, uh, Maren Angus joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. You can listen to Marin on the Running Polls podcast. Marin. thank you so much for your insight. Good work on all of this and breaking the story and updating the public as it was all going down. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks
0: for having me. Thanks, Maren. So that was Marin Angus hopping on with us. Now let's get to the Sweet 16 Bama U bracket results. Who is moving on? Who is moving to the quarterfinals? We'll give you the fan votes, our votes, and the committee votes when you get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, and Tom Canterbury here in our separate quote-unquote studios. Special thank you to Marin Angus for hopping on and talking about the Jamie Traxel hire. We heard her thoughts. Tom, I'm curious, before we dive into the Sweet 16 results for the Bama U bracket, what did you think as uh, we were following this story, and we are all pretty much in tune as the story was going down, do you feel the same as Maren, or do you think this is a good hire for Ole Miss?
1: Uh, I, I don't think it's quite as bad of a hire as Marin was, was putting out. It may not be the total landscape game-changing type of hire that it could be, especially if Ole Miss as a administration, as a program, doesn't get it together. That, that could be an issue. It doesn't really matter who the coach is if you're not getting the right type of support from the uh, higher up, so to speak, and how the program is run, so – uh, we'll see. I give, I give Traxel a little bit more credit maybe than Marin does, but I can see what she was saying. She yeah. took over a, a ready-made um, roster at Minnesota, took them to the World Series. All the credit for that. Um, but it, it is a much bigger hill to climb at Ole Miss, not just because of where they are, but also because of the conference. The SEC obviously it's dog-eat-dog from day one. There's some... There's some weekends in the Big Ten where you can just roll the bats out and get the victory. Not going to be the case at, at in the SEC, and especially at Ole Miss.
0: Yeah, I think you know what's funny. I, the way I view this is looking at Eli Drinkwitz, who got hired on the football side at Missouri because he was at Appalachian State. Uh, the previous coach had built that program up. They'd been what 12 and one. and you know, all those years. Drinkwitz is the coach for one season. They have another great year, but then Missouri comes and hires him, and this was one of the lower-graded head coaching hires on the college football side because everybody was saying, well, can Eli Drinkwitz actually build a program because he was pretty much using the former coach's players in his one year in Boone. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it—it's uh, interesting to watch how this Amber Pfizer thing goes down. I should note Amber Pfizer does follow at Out of the Box underscore Pod, as should all of you. So maybe she'll DM us a scoop. I don't know, but that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. but you know, uh, without Molly Jacobson, I don't really know what Ole Miss has that would be able to compete, even at a median level in the sec next year so jamie traxel is going to need to find some good recruits or find some big names in the transfer portal to make ole miss a winner in year one for sure
1: yeah and then there's going to be some names in there and then everything's still totally in, in flux we're discussing this you know in the hopes and the assumption that 2021 is going to be a normal season right. uh we'll, well yeah we'll see if all that happens uh, to, as things continue to unfold but I think one of the main differences between this and, say, the, the drink what's higher would be at Appalachian State, you, it's literally impossible to win a national championship or compete at the highest level True. in D1 football. You know, Jamie Petraschel was getting Minnesota to the World Series, and you can win the win the national championship at Minnesota. Um, so it, I think, uh, like Marin was saying, I think this has probably got to be a lot of it a money type situation. Uh, for her.
0: Yeah, money for sure has got to lead the way because from a softball program standpoint, this is at I would, best... I, I would they, rather,
1: I'd rather be in Minnesota than Ole Miss. Well,
0: I mean, which conference is easier to win?
1: But maybe her thought is that I can sell what Ole Miss is is, is offering, I can sell that to some of those great players of the North to get them to come down. You're not going to get some of the great players from the South to go up to Minnesota.
0: Right, that's true. So, so maybe, you know... But I, I don't know if I agree with her
2: in that sentiment, but I can see that being what, what her thoughts are. And then, of course, we'll, we'll be
1: watching it closely from our end covering Alabama to see if there is an uh, effect on the Alabama coaching staff regardless.
0: Yeah, we'll see if Bryn Dordell does take that pitching coach job and what that does for Patrick Murphy because we haven't seen staff turnover. I haven't seen staff turnover, I don't think. I think Adam Arbor... Left the year before I jumped on, or maybe his last year as volunteer assistant was my first year with you on the radio. But either way, it's been a while since Patrick Murphy's had to look for another coach.
1: Right. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, it's such a, a great program and, and atmosphere and environment that they have at Alabama is because there's a lot of consistency there.
0: So let's get back to Alabama, shall we? Let's get to the Bama U bracket. Uh, thank you to Marin Angus again. I love actually getting to talk. Real softball during these summer shows, but we've got a very important couple of decisions to make, Tom, and that is the Sweet 16 matchups in the Bama U bracket. So we're going to go down by each region, as we did last week, present our votes, present our reasoning, and then tell you who is moving on to the quarter finals. I'm so excited. A lot of these were really hard. The fan votes, we had some of the closest fan votes we've had the whole time, and I think that we're going to have some very good conversations about some of these contests. Absolutely. Let's go. All right, let's dive into the Kretschmann region, and the first Sweet 16 match was number one seed Kelly Kretschmann versus the five seed Lacey Prejean. Again, as we did last week, because I know what's happening, and Tom does not, I will make the pick first. And Tom, because I had a lightish week of work, I went deep. I went real deep. And I dug up everyone's Women's College World Series statistics. And that is part of how I'm basing some of these votes because how you perform on the biggest stage is critical to me. You know, how good of a player are you under pressure? Kelly Kresterman went to the Women's College World Series one time, and she was on the all tournament team. Even though Alabama didn't really go that far in that event, she hit 333 that year with three RBI and a triple. Lacey Prejean went twice, but only hit 143 in her career in Oklahoma City. And just overall, the offensive numbers, it's tough for Prejean to compete with Kelly Kretschmann. I mean, Kelly Kretschmann is one of the best players that the sport of softball has ever seen, right. she owns yeah, anyway. all these records. To
1: to be fair, it'd be tough for anyone to compete with Kelly Kretschmann.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the vote for me goes to Kelly Kretschman. I do think we're going to see her get pushed a little bit more as the bracket goes on, but I I think Kelly Kretschman is the clear choice for me here.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I'm going to go with uh, Kretsch here as well. Again, we're talking about one of the greatest softball players of all time and what she was able to do at Alabama. Lacey Prejean was outstanding behind the plate for the Crimson Tide. Very deserving to be at this point in the tournament, but I'm, uh, I will agree and go with Kelly Crutchman as well.
0: All right, so we've both got Kelly Kretschmann. The other matchup in the Crutchman region of the Sweet 16 here in the uh, BAMU bracket is the three-seed Stephanie Van Brakel versus the two-seed Jackie McClain. Now, Jackie McLean. Lost the fan vote in the first round, but she got moved through by the committee. Now she's going up against Stephanie Van Brakel, who is the three seed. We both said we thought she was a bit under and I'm going to stick with Steph. Uh, you know, I love the stats of Jackie McClain. However, her Women's College World Series stats were not great. She was one for six in one appearance, and, you know, she collected a lot of accolades, but. I side a lot more with the career numbers that Stephanie Van Brakel was able to put up. She owns a lot of single-season SEC records and Alabama records, and I just side with her in this vote. So Stephanie Van Brakel gets my vote.
1: This may be one where the fact that she was a multi-dimensional type of player as well, she she was a huge bat for the Crimson Tide as well as what she did in the circle and always seemed to come through in those clutch moments. Um big home run, say, in the SEC tournament, uh, went head-on against Monica Abbott and came out on the positive side more often than not. So I'm going to agree with you. Go with the seed upset and go with Stephanie Van Brakel.
0: So now let's go over the results in the Kretchman region. First, who won the fan vote? Kelly Kretschmann got the fan vote 73.1% over Lacey Prejean, and Stephanie Van Brakel got 83.2% of the fan vote over Jackie McLean. And since you need four votes to win... Out of the seven, that means Kelly Kretschmann and Stephanie Van Brakel are moving on to face off in the quarterfinals. Both get seven-nothing sweeps, Tom. Wow. So we've got two powerhouses who have swept both rounds of the bracket so far facing off in the quarterfinal. I'm going to bet that whoever wins that will not get it seven-nothing.
1: No, I I don't don't foresee another sweep coming, but that's a— Very impressive by both of these ladies moving on uh, to the uh, elite eight.
0: Yes, that'll be fun. Okay, let's go to the Morgan region. We've got the one seed Charlotte Morgan versus the four seed Bailey Hempill, and the uh, the upset, the dark horse in the Morgan region, the six seed Sydney Littlejohn versus the two seed Kelsey Dunn. So Tom, let's uh, let's start with Morgan versus Hempill. This one is tough because how do you view Charlotte Morgan versus Bailey Hemphill when Bailey's got one more year and she's trying to break all these records that Charlotte Morgan has pretty much set? She's either first or second in all these. That's what I
1: was going to say. Whose records is she trying to break?
2: Her
0: opponents. Exactly. So Charlotte Morgan is first in career RBI. Bailey needs about, uh, I think it's near 70s or 80s, to break that next year. She's second in career home runs. crutches is first. We're about 99% sure Bailey Hemphill is going to break that, right? She's just 10 off from tying it, I believe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm. Can, look, we need to talk this one through a bit because I could see a scenario where I pick Bailey Hemphill and it's totally justified. However... It's hard to ignore the groundwork that Charlotte Morgan laid down offensively. And we didn't talk about it a lot on last week's show, but she was pretty good in the circle too. And she has the best ERA of any remaining pitcher in this bracket at the Women's College World Series with a .58 ERA in 12 innings. So I'm having a tough right. time with this one.
1: Yeah, well, that, that being said, not nearly as many innings pitched for Charlotte Morgan as everybody else. But... True. It, it's a it's a smaller sample size for her in the circle. Now she came through in some big spots in the circle, uh, did Charlotte. But um, I think that's a it, it's a point to consider. But I don't I wouldn't put that in the same breath as what I just did with Stephanie Mabry Pro Throw being a a dual threat. Charlotte Charlotte threw some big innings and pitched some for Alabama, but her her main contributions were
0: definitely at the plate. Yeah. The other thing I look at, because again, I did a really deep dive on this, these Women's College World Series stats, and I'm putting a lot of stock into how you did in the postseason and how you did in OKC. Charlotte Morgan had seven career RBI in OKC in two appearances. Bailey Hempill had six in one appearance. Now, again, I'm pretty sure that Bailey's going to be back... At some point in her career, i.e., next year, so I think that she'll be able to eclipse those numbers as well. You know, she had a three fifty-seven batting average in OKC. Tom, I think I'm talking myself into picking Bailey Himpill here, and I think she's going to get my vote, just because I think that if we did this podcast, this exact scenario next year, Bailey would be a one or a two seed. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm going with Bailey Himpill. I know. Call me crazy. Call me a recent. C. Bias person, I don't know. I don't care. Bailey Hemphill is going to get my one vote.
1: Well, if, if I was calling you all those things, I would have to call myself all those things as well because I'm also going to pick Bailey Hemphill. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I just I think you're able to realistically project the numbers she's going to put up next year. If They're going to break a lot of these Charlotte Morgan records. And like you said, I think that she has she's such a threat um, and she the fact that she when she bats she sees maybe one pitch she can hit as well right um, so that she was she's been able to put up some of these numbers you know she she played on the team we've been talking about that has hurt uh, Sydney Littlejohn's numbers as far as wins uh, because of the offense she played on that offense and was one of if not the only major threat in that offense and still put up numbers.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Charlotte Morgan had a lot of extra help in her lineup that Bailey Hemphill hadn't had outside of her last season. So I I, I agree with you. I'm going to go with Bailey Himpill.
0: Also something else to throw in about Bailey Hemphill, she wasn't doing all of this and collecting all these numbers against only bad competition. She was also pretty clutch. And I remember many times we've seen her have a big home run or a big hit in – critical postseason. You know, of course, the Arizona State Grand Slam comes to mind. She had that home run against Texas A&M her freshman year. Uh, I mean, just stuff like that. She has done that since day one of her career, and I think we're going to see that again in 2021.
1: 100% agree.
0: All right, finally, let's move on to the six versus the two, Sydney Littlejohn versus Kelsey Dunn. Sidney Littlejohn, again, we moved her past Kayla Hunt in the previous round. I love you, Sid. You're my TV partner. I enjoy working with you. Please don't hurt me, but I'm picking Kelsey Dunn just because the accolades kind of speak for themselves. And, and, you know, even Sidney Littlejohn didn't really perform as well as I'm sure she would have hoped. In the biggest game, she had an over 4 6 ERA at the Women's College World Series. Kelsey Dunn was spectacular throughout her career. She had some issues against certain opponents, I'm sure will come up on this podcast at some point. But overall, throughout her four years, she was pretty consistent all the way around. And of course, being a four time All American and four time first team All SEC really helps and winning SEC Pitcher of the Year twice. You know, all the same accolades we've talked about. So Kelsey Dunn gets my vote.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I agree with you. I'm going to go with uh, with Kelsey Dunn here as well. Uh, the only drawbacks for Kelsey are going to be the losses to Florida and Hawaii in the postseason. Uh, but I don't think you can look past all the other accolades that she put up, all the stats, the, the awards that she's won. Um, and, you know, again, if Sid had had a little bit of better offense backing her up, uh, especially her senior year, she might have been up in that same – uh, pedestal, but also City little Littlejohn had Alexis Osorio uh, kind of, you know, as a one-two punch. Kelsey Dunn was pretty much it when she was at, in the circle for Alabama and uh, and performed extremely well uh, overall. So I'm, I'm going to go with Kelsey Dunn as well.
0: All right, let's get to the results. For the Morgan region, these were the two closest fan votes that we had. So Charlotte Morgan beat out Bailey Hemphill 53.1% of the vote to the one seed. And then Sidney Littlejohn against Kelsey Dunn, again, pulled off the fan vote upset and got 51.5% of the vote. Will it be enough, though? Charlotte Morgan does indeed get past Bailey Hempill 5-2. So that means, Tom, if the fans had gone with Bailey Hempill, she would be moving on. As we both gave our votes to uh, the Big Bopper and Bailey Bombs, but Charlotte Morgan squeaks by. Wow! And then that's, uh, that's that's an interesting thought about how the committee looked at it. Which again, you know, diff-
2: everybody has different criteria. That's why we have different committee members uh, looking
1: at it. Uh, and the, there's in no way that I'm in any way uh, diminishing what Charlotte Morgan did. So I don't have a problem with her winning this matchup. Uh, But I'm a little surprised that it it was everybody but us that thought Charlotte should win.
0: Yeah, and I'm intrigued to see how she does in the next round against Kelsey Dunn, who beats Sidney Littlejohn 5-2. So the fans go with Sid. The five committee members go with Dunn. So that means we've got a 1-2 matchup, Charlotte Morgan and Kelsey Dunn. And, Tom, I think it could go either way. Frankly, I have no clue who I'll vote for, but I could argue either side.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have the dominating hitter against the dominating pitcher. We'll, we'll see how people look at it.
0: All right, let's go to the McClinney region and the one seed, Haley McClinney, up against the five seed, Amanda Locke. The other matchup was the three seed, Alexis Asorio versus the two seed, Kayla Bro. We will, of course, start with McClinney and Locke. And as much as I do respect Amanda Locke and all that she did in her career and you know she had some spectacular women's college world series moments as well. It's hard to argue against everything Haley McCloney did. She wasn't great in Oklahoma City, only hit 310, which is on the low side for her. But throughout the postseason in her Alabama career, still first in OBP, fourth in hits, tied for fourth in batting average. She's everywhere in the record books in Alabama and in the SEC. She's set. A couple NCAA records. She's fifth in career runs scored. So I've got Haley McClinney moving on. However, after doing a much deeper dive, I don't think Haley McClinney is as much of a lock for the championship series as I thought coming into this tournament.
1: Well, it, it, a lot of it just depends, again, on the criteria that you're looking at. Uh, so much of Haley McClinney being one of, if not the greatest softball player in Alabama history is about the intangibles, some mm-hmm. of the things that maybe don't show up on the on the box score. And then, of course, what you did defensively. Uh, so many run and game-saving catches that Haley was able to make out in the outfield. It's, it, it's, it's tough. We'll see what happens uh, with the matchup, whoever it ends up being, uh, assuming that we'll, we'll re- announce the results here momentarily uh, for Haley. But I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to go with Haley McClinney as well over, over Amanda Locke. To, uh, some of this might just be because I saw firsthand so much of what Haley did at Alabama. Uh, it's it's going to be hard for me to pick against her.
0: Alright, so we both got Haley McClinney. Next up, Alexis Assorio versus Kayla Bro. Asorio, the three-seed, Bro, the two-seed. Again, all the respect to Alexis Assorio. I do feel for her because kind of in the same vein as Sydney Littlejohn. A couple of years, she just didn't have any help when she was pitching. I think of a little bit of 2017 you know where that offense just wasn't doing anything and Asorio had a 1.21 ERA which is one of the best in Alabama history and then 2018 she had a 208 ERA but half the year spent her time coming back from a just brutal concussion that she got in Auburn so I, I think she was kind of up against the wall a couple times in her career however the numbers of Kayla Bro. I mean again, just everywhere in Alabama history, she was a three-time all-American. She's up and down the lineup in SEC single season history. She's got two of the top 6 spots in single season history batting average in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, that's hard to do. Amazing. And so I can't I can't not vote for Kayla Bro here and that is no bias. We love Alexis Osorio, Kayla bro. Yes. She is a friend of ours. Shout out to her and many others for coming on the 2012 watch party we had on zoom, but the numbers do not lie. I've got Kayla bro winning this one.
1: Yeah, I do too. Uh, a lot of that is again, the fact that we saw all the good and a little bit of the bad of what Alexis Osorio had. I agree with you. A lot of it had to do with some injuries and lack of help offensively. Uh, I know she she pitched a lot, with the thought that if I give up a you know one or two runs, I'm probably going to lose the game. Uh, so that so there might have been some of that along with what she did. But you know, one of the best in Alabama's history. But so much can be said about what Kayla Bro did. Setting the table, can get on base whenever she wanted to. Break defensively as well. And if this sets up what I think is going to set up, it's going to be quite the quite the elite eight matchup. But I agree with you. I'm going to go,
0: with Caleb Bro. Let's get to the results. And, Tom, it does set up exactly what you were looking for. Haley McCloney gets a fan vote 86.5%. Caleb Bro gets a fan vote 69.5%. And, Tom, both McClinney and Bro sweep their way through the first and second round to get to the quarterfinals for a one versus two SmackDown matchup. My goodness.
1: Wow. Yeah, this, this is going to be. You're talking about trying to find nitpicks to try to find a a difference between these two. Uh, This is going to be a a very tough matchup.
0: Yeah. I'm saving some statistics for Caleb Rowe and for Or I'm going to also try and just look up other stuff. How'd you do against Auburn? How'd you do against Florida? How'd you do against Georgia? I'm going to have to find. I don't even know how I'm going to find it, but my goodness, I'm getting out the Sherlock Holmes detective hat and my magnifying glass, and I'm going to look for something to differentiate these two in my mind. Wow. It's uh, it's going to be hard. Shall we uh, yes. Shall we move on to the final region? Yes. Okay, let's go and see what's up in the trainer region. The first quarterfinal, the one Jackie Trainer versus the five Montana Fouts. Trana, of course, part of that 2012 National Championship team we referenced, Montana Fouts, trying to win one in her playing career. She's just played one full official season and I believe will technically be a sophomore next year at Alabama. And then the two-seed Brittany Rogers against the three-seed Shelly Laird. So let's start with Trana versus Fouts. Oh, gosh, it hurts me. Montana, if you're listening, we we love you. You're the best, but I'm picking Jackie Trana. Four time All American, you know, and I think a part of it, honestly, was watching that 2012 game and just watching what she did. And now she was able to shut down an Oklahoma lineup that one through nine was absolutely potent. And in her career, she was eight and three at the Women's College World Series. She hit 370 in OKC in her career. She was able to do it. In the box, she was able to do it in the circle. She was a leader. She came up with big-time hits when Alabama needed them. Montana Fouts led Alabama superbly last year. But we've got two years of runs to support Jackie Trana and just one year for Montana Fouts, and I think that gives Trina the edge for me. I do believe, as we have said often, that if we do this in four or five years, Montana Fouts might be a one-seed and may just win the darn thing. But right now... I am going with Jackie Trana to win this matchup.
1: Ray, I can hear the Montana Fouls supporters in this matchup screaming at us right now saying, but wait a second, you projected stuff for Bailey Hempel and and gave her your vote over Charlotte Morgan. Why can't you do the same thing for Montana Fouls? And to that very fair criticism, yeah. I would I would respond, I think the one thing you can't really project for Montana, is a national championship because there are so many different variables that go into it. Um, so I, I think that overall, I think some of the stats, obviously not hitting, but some of the stats pitching-wise, Montana, we can project her to maybe eclipse Jackie Traina and some of those, but I don't think you can fairly say, I'm going to project her to lead Alabama to a national championship again because there's so many other factors that go into that. And I think that's the difference. I think Jackie Traina is the one player if you take her off that 2012 team, they don't win the World Series. They probably don't even make it to the World Series. So I, that is my difference, and that's why I'm agreeing with you in putting Jackie Traina through.
0: Yeah, uh, it's hard. Uh, While well, we can't project it, I would be a little surprised if we don't see Montana Fouts at least playing for a national title in her Alabama career. But Jackie Traina got it done. and. Yeah. She also does have those hitting stats to help bolster her up as well. For sure. All right, the final matchup, the two versus the three, Brittany Rogers versus Shelly Laird. Uh, I would like to make a note to some of the folks online. Now, the best part about this bracket is we have seen people on Twitter and Facebook and various forms of social media message boards get involved and debate. And we had some people say, Well, Sydney Littlejohn over Kayla Hunt is ridiculous. Well, you know what? We have our votes, and also there's a fan vote. If you want to make an impact, then vote on Twitter. But also, I saw some comments that said Shelly Laird was misseeded, and she might be one of the most important players alongside Kelly Kretschmann in Alabama history, and I don't think either of us would deny that. But here is the point of this bracket. The mantra of this tournament is not the Bama U Bracket, the search for the most important Alabama softball player in history. If that were the case, then you wouldn't see anybody from the last seven years in this bracket because all of the success would have been set up by players from the past. You'd put players from the
1: 1997 team on there.
0: Absolutely. We're looking for the best players in Alabama history, and the committee and the advisors to the committee who are people that have been following this program for a very, very, very long time. All agreed with the seating, And I think Shelly Laird was seated fairly. And as we look for the best Alabama player in softball history, I enjoy Shelly Laird. I think her stats are incredible. I'm still looking for a way to find tape on her. I might have to give Allison Habits a call. I- I'm picking Brittany Rogers just because what she was able to do consistently throughout her career is – pretty much unmatched. And, you know, in Alabama history, most hits in the postseason, most runs scored in the postseason. She went to the World Series three times, hit 333 in OKC. And, oh, by the way, has a couple NCAA records. She's third in NCAA history in career stolen bases. She's got a bunch of top eight appearances in SEC career history, some single season history records, and, and was really the cog that Alabama needed to make some of those runs to OKC that they did uh, in her career from 06 to 09. So I'm giving Brittany Rogers my vote here in the two versus three.
1: I think a lot of what Brittany Rogers did, it's a very similar situation to Haley McClinney. There's a lot of intangible qualities that she brought um, and helping to lead the program back to Oklahoma City uh, several times during her career. And, again, this is nothing against Shelly Laird and none of these. are Nothing against any of the people that we're putting the other person through on. Uh, obviously, that they all deserve to be here and deserve to be this far in the bracket. Shelly Laird was tremendous. Uh, the, the go-to ace in the circle for the Crimson Tide during her time in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Brittany Rogers as well.
0: All right. So shall we get to the results? Let's yes. uh, Let's find out. Who else is joining the previous six we've mentioned in the quarterfinals? And out of a trainer region, the fan vote between Traina and Fouts, interestingly, Tom, went 77.9% to Jackie Traina. Wow. That, that's I, Look, I, I know she's popular, but that's high. I thought Montana would at least put a bit of a dent in there.
1: I think Jackie Traina, maybe Haley McClendon are the only two that I think would have defeated Montana Fouts in a fan vote.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: maybe maybe Stephanie Van Brakel, the way that she's performed so far in these fan votes as well. Maybe those three might have been able to beat Montana. But, uh, I, again, that just kind of kind of cements what I was saying from the beginning. I think the J-Train is the most popular player in Alabama softball history.
0: So that fan vote helps Jackie Train into another sweep. A lot of sweeps here in the Sweet 16. And also oh. a sweep, a bit of a surprising sweep here. Makes me almost want to switch my vote so she gets something. Brittany Rogers got eighty-six point nine percent of the fan vote against Shelly Laird and sweeps the three seed. So two sweeps in the trainer region, setting up the one versus two, Jackie Trainer versus Brittany Rogers in the quarterfinals.
1: That's gonna be that's gonna be very interesting to see how how the fans look at it and what and what are the, the different criteria that people look at on making their final decision.
0: So the quarterfinals are as such. First off, I think that they signal that we did do a pretty good job seeding this uh, because yep. it is three one-versus-twos and one one-versus-three. And uh, that one-versus-three matchup will be the one the fans can vote on Monday for, and that's Kelly Crutchen versus Stephanie Van Brakel. And that sets up a week of what should be a lot of fun matchups before we do this next Friday and reveal the results. I'm, I'm excited, and I think that there are a couple that could be really close.
1: I, I totally agree. I don't. I don't think it's by any means a lock that we're going to see an all chalk four number ones in the final four. Uh, I think all four, or all four of the number ones will uh, will be a little bit susceptible to the twos or threes that they're facing. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how these shake shake themselves out. Also wanted to point out as well, we saw kind of a back and forth on Twitter between Charlotte Morgan and Bailey Hemphill – discussing a home run derby between the two which I really want to see happen
0: who do we have to call do <laughs> what, what,
1: what, what do we have to do uh, I'll go throw the batting practice for them but I would sure they would rather have a machine do it uh, but it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: we'll all be six feet apart you know you'll yeah. be in the circle and I'll be in the outfield and we can just you know have Morgan and Hempel distance themselves as they come to the plate. It should be fun. We 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 can do this, Tom. I think we can.
1: Yes. They, they would social distance themselves from the ball very
0: quickly. Yes. Hey, Azera, before we go, looking at the matchups, is there anyone that you think of the one seeds that is on upset alert? Not necessarily who you're picking, maybe. I know you probably haven't yeah. even thought about it. I know I haven't yet. But is there anyone that you think could be in danger of being eliminated?
1: Well, I would say since both of us picked her to lose this round, I would say Charlotte Morgan is probably the most uh, in danger of the one seed of, of
0: going down. Yeah, you know, Kelsey Dunn has a lot of support in the fan vote on Twitter. Well, she should. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. she's got like her AD at her current job tweeting about it. They're, they're, <laughs> the son of the Illinois men's basketball team tweeted about it, who's on the team himself. I mean, it wow. was... Uh, it was a major cast of characters, so we'll see how that one goes down. Um, and any final thoughts from you, Tom, not just about the bracket, but about all the things we discussed on the show before we wrap it up?
1: Well, again, just, uh, uh, we really appreciate everyone uh, being involved and voting in this and uh, just having some fun with us. And, again, that's all this is. It's just fun. Again, no one should get their feelings hurt or we're not dissing anybody on the Alabama team if, they, if they're not voted on to move through. All these ladies are integral to what has been built in Tuscaloosa, and uh, they, they all deserve to be here. And uh, just this is a, really a celebration of all of them.
0: Absolutely. We've got the corner finals starting on Monday. On Monday, you can vote. We'll, we'll set it earlier. We'll go 3 o'clock Central time this time, just to mix things up. Monday, you can vote for Kretchen versus Van Brakel. Tuesday at 3 o'clock Central, Morgan versus Dunn. Wednesday at 3 o'clock Central, McClinney versus Bro. And Thursday, 3 o'clock Central time, Trena versus Rogers. Get excited. We are nearing the final four, and when we get there... We might have some special guests help us pick who's moving on. Oh, look so forward to that. Yeah, so stay tuned, folks. Remember, check out the Ad Out of the Box Twitter. That's where you can vote on all these polls. Thank you to Marin Angus for hopping on to talk about some actual college softball news happening right now as we sit in quarantine. And thank you, listeners, for voting and listening and sharing and getting everybody involved, the conversation, as Tom has said, has been a lot of fun with everyone, and it's been also good to see some former players reach out and get involved as well.
1: A lot of the, uh, the fan vote is who it can be, the more social media savvy, who has those connections and, and getting the endorsements from other players and stuff, so this, this has been so much fun and look forward to
0: continuing. And it will continue, as we said, on Monday, so get excited and get those Twitter fingers ready For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We will see you next time on the Out of the Box podcast. Quarterfinal voting starts on Monday. Get ready to vote, folks. We'll see you next time.